0: Well, good morning again to you. If you have your Bibles this morning, and as we always, as always, I hope that you do, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. 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 Whichever way you want to say it, we do believe it is best pronounced Habakkuk. We have uh, probably just a few weeks left in this minor prophet um, written by the Holy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by the pen of likely the prophet himself, Habakkuk, St- started a couple months ago, and uh, we make a turn this morning as we come to chapter three. Uh, as we'll see, it is a, a very different kind of chapter. It is written very differently than the first couple of chapter, first couple of chapters, and not just by the way of uh, recapping, but for the sake of needing to kind of understand. Where we are in chapter 3, um, the first couple chapters here are written very differently. Chapter 1 uh, is what we call a dirge. It is, um, uh, it's a, it is a difficult, heavy chapter in which the prophet Habakkuk is bringing his questions to the Lord. Uh, these questions are, are called complaints in Scripture. Not quite what we call complaints today, but he is, he, is, he is bringing questions to the Lord. Lord, what is going on with all this evil that is around me? And so the Lord um graciously answers his questions and his first question of Lord, how shall I cry for help? In verse 2 of chapter 1, And you not hear or cry to you violence, and you will not save? And why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? And all this destruction and violence and evil that's before him, not just in the world around him, but right there in Israel, as we talked about, as we'll address again this morning, the corruption uh, of the Israel leadership, of the Hebrew people. is not a point of Israel's history where they were faithfully looking to the Lord. And so th- the Lord answers. He says, hey, this evil that you see around us, that is is me at work, that is me using uh, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans to to bring judgment to uh, both Israel and even to the world around them. And then Habakkuk's second complaint is, okay, I understand that you're at work. I understand that you're in control. I understand that you're sovereign, that you're everlasting, that you're holy. I understand that you've ordained all of this. But how can you, a holy God, how can you use such an evil people? And so this is chapter 1. And then chapter 2 that we finished last week uh, is is all about God's response to him. Uh, And then ultimately how he then points to, starting in verse 6, how he points to the Babylonians have... um, Uh, will have judgment placed upon them. Those five woes that we looked at last week that simply put, boiled down, show us that God uh, does not take sin lightly. And so that sin is a very serious issue. It is the issue uh, in the, the human nature, if you will. And that God is a just judge and God will always judge sin and sinners. And so we see that kind of building up to chapter 2. And we see also not a major change in Habakkuk as one who goes from faithless to faithful. We see from the beginning of uh, of this minor prophet that he is a faithful prophet. He's looking to the Lord. He trusts the Lord. But we do see this aha moment, if you will, in chapter 3. And so where he has heard the response of the Lord and now... He turns from this dirge and this, uh, this taunt, if you will, in chapter 2 to now in chapter 3 uh, is a whole different style of writing. It's a whole different category of writing. Uh, it, is a, it is similar to a psalm. Uh, it is a prayer. It is a praise. And uh, he, is, he, is, he is responding to the Lord in faith, as we'll see, beginning in chapter 3 this morning. So before we open up and turn to uh, chapter 3, verse 1, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank You. We thank You for this morning. And thank You for uh, an opportunity to open Your Word. Uh, Not just to study it, not just to understand it, Lord, but to hear it, receive it, Lord, to, to see how it points us to Christ and to see, Lord, how we can apply it to our lives. Thank You for Your Word that reveals You through Your Son, Christ. And Lord, thank You for working in us Thank you for working all around us. Thank you for being a God who is in absolute control and who always has a plan and who is always at work. As we turn now to Habakkuk chapter 3, help us to see and help us to hear. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. So let's uh, let's read. We're going to get through two verses this morning, uh, partly because we do have to... um, uh was, was going to try to take a big bite this morning, As often happens, uh, didn't happen. So we're going to take a smaller bite this morning. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews, sorry, Habakkuk chapter 3, uh, the first couple of verses. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigninoff. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And then we'll kind of even read the first half of verse 3 there as we'll see kind of a natural break. God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran Salah. So we'll see... Two more uh, Salahs or Selahs here as we uh, continue in chapter 3 next week. Uh, but this opening part of chapter 3, we just see that there is a change. Habakkuk is no longer God. what we saw so far. Habakkuk brings a question. God answers. He brings another question. God answers again. It's kind of this back and forth, if you will. Uh, and now there's not a, he doesn't respond with the third question. Now he looks to the Lord, and again, he praises him as he did in chapter 1, uh, verse 12 and 13 but he's praising the Lord he's looking to the Lord and he has a prayer of response not a question of complaint not a question that needs to be answered but he is he is praying to the Lord similar very similar if you will Habakkuk chapter 3 is to most of the book of Psalms, And we see it is very similar to a psalm uh, all throughout the book. And so also it's even similar in its use. It is believed that Habakkuk chapter 3 would become a congregational song during times of disaster and tragedy in Israel's history. So whenever evil came, whenever disaster came, how amazing is it now that Habakkuk chapter 3 becomes their song? So we go from chapter 1 and chapter 2 to the Lord what's going on today. Now he's singing the praises of God for that God is involved and that God directs all things in human activity. And so uh, it, is a, it is a very different uh, uh, chapter as we begin chapter 3. And there's this word there that like a lot of words, especially in the Old Testament, we struggle with, uh, shignioth. Uh, and I'm just going to read you kind of a, a better description than I could give. Uh, it says, The title verse here also contains this curious expre- expression, shigniof, a transliteration from the Hebrew. Though the meaning of the word is unknown, most scholars agree that it is, not, that it is most likely a musical notation. It's a musical note. No wonder I don't have a clue what it means. I am oblivious to the things of music. The final sentence of the chapter supports this supposition. Many similar terms and titles in psalms are now thought to be the names identifying hymn tunes or instructions concerning the playing of the music which apparently accompanied the psalm. And So we just see again just this further idea that this was a song. This is a song of the people of God that would sing to the Lord for who he was and how he was always sovereign in the midst of evil, difficulty, and tragedy. So we go from asking the Lord, where are you, to praising God for you are right here in our midst. And isn't that such a a change for the believer that whenever tragedy happens, whether it's outside of our life, whether it's inside of our life, whatever difficulty we're going through, we don't have to question, God, are you here? Are you here? But we can sing, so we can sing to the Lord and trust Him and look to Him and praise Him for being at work in our life wherever we may find ourselves. If you will, go with me real quick to the book of We're going to turn to several places throughout Scripture this morning. But go with me to the book of Job, uh, which is right before... Uh, the book of Psalms we've said that there are two theodicies in the Bible that are that specifically address the question uh, how is God involved in an in evil in the world uh, one being Habakkuk and the other being Job and so uh, it should be no surprise that we can turn to Job at the end and see a similar response of Job to the prophet Habakkuk and so First six verses there in Job chapter forty-two, and then Job answered the Lord. And if you remember, just in thirty seconds, the book of Job, Job's bebopping along. He's trusting the Lord. It says he's a righteous man, and Satan comes to the Lord and says, "Hey, can I tempt your righteous man?" And God says, "Sure, but here's your parameters." And so then Satan goes to uh, to to attack and to uh, to mistreat and to misalign Job, and the whole book of Job all. 42 chapters uh, are about this and how he looks. ultimately looks to the Lord. And at the end, he brings a question to the Lord. And so now his response, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things. Very good, Job. (laughs) He is God. He can and does all things. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful, wonderful for me, which I did not know. Wouldn't that be great if many of us understood that right there? That God, I was out of my pay grade. I was asking questions that I really didn't even understand. Were too majestic for me. Here. And I will speak, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I had heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so we see at the end where both Job and Habakkuk, they come to the Lord and said, Thank you, Lord, for ultimately listening. Thank you for hearing me and answering me. And now we're going to see Habakkuk's response to the Lord this morning. And so he says a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to uh, Shigmeath, O Lord, like similar to what Job said, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. And so four things we're going to see this morning, Uh, the first of which is this, is that Habakkuk says, I have heard your work. I have heard of your work. And we're going to see that all of these four things, all are about the work of God. And so as we talk about the work of God, the prophet says this, I have heard of your work. Habakkuk here is acknowledging here that all of Israel has seen God do all kind of incredible things. They have seen what God has done that the Hebrews as a collective people, they are people who passed down from generation to generation the mighty works of God. Go with me to Psalm 44. Psalm 44, the first three verses there. Say this, O oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us, what deeds you performed in their days in the days of old and so we see this reaffirmed that the people of god know the works of god and they pass down the works of god what he has done and you with your own hand drove out the nations but them you planted you afflicted the peoples but them you set free For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arms save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. And so what we see in Psalm 44 is what we've seen in Habakkuk 1 and 2, is that God is involved in all things. Not just these wonderful active deeds that seem great on the outside, but in all things that God is actively at work in. And so we see the work of God In the past of Israel, we see the work of God. In Habakkuk, we see that God is constantly at work. And so in the corrupt Israel, when the corrupt leaders who ruled Israel, it was not for a lack of knowing who God was. It was not for even a lack of remembering all that he had done for the people of God. But he was rejecting what they heard and who he was. So it wasn't a lack of their knowledge. It was a rejection of who God was that brought condemnation to the corrupt uh, leadership and to the corrupt uh, anyone uh, who rejects who God is. And so here the prophet is bringing to mind the wonderful works of Yahweh. He says, I have heard the report of you. I have heard the report of your work, O Lord, and I fear, do I fear. God's work does not always appear or even feel wonderful as we think about the works of the Lord. But both Israel and we today, we know this. In Israel, oftentimes, God was bringing His judgment and His discipline to His people for both His glory and their good, as we see all things point to. But indeed, He was always present is always present he never abandoned israel he never abandoned his true israel those who were his and habakkuk realizes this as he looks around in chapter one as he gets responded to in chapter two he realizes that god is not going to leave him that god is not absent but he is very present even in the midst of evil circumstances even the midst of the the babylonian empire growing and killing and destroying god is very present so it may not always feel like the works of God are these wonderful things, but all the works of God are good things because everything God does is for two things. And you hear us say this over and over in North Hills. Everything God does is for His glory and the good of His people. Whenever we believe that, it should change how we see everything that happens around us, that all things are for the glory of, the, for the glory of God and the good of His people. And so what about our lives? Oftentimes things feel difficult, do they not? Circumstances don't feel like they're the wonderful works of God. Maybe even you feel like Habakkuk at times, that God is absent. But know and remember that he is very present indeed. us, too, think back and dwell on what God has done. This prayer of Habakkuk starts with just that. He, he starts with him thinking back on what God has done. For Israel, even even in his own time of Israel, even there in his own life, I have heard. I have heard the report of you. I have heard of your work. He is remembering what God has done, and so we see this clear picture of the God has done and is doing a work. Secondly, is this he prays. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. So not only do we see that the Habakkuk has heard the work of God, but this prayer that he would revive his work. His prayer is, Lord, revive your work. In short, do it again. God, I've heard that you have done great things. We've heard the stories from generations to generations. And Lord, I'm asking that you do it again. In the midst of the years, revive it. So what does that mean, in the midst of the years? It's an interesting term, and it's repeated. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. That's a lot of things in Scripture. It can mean a couple of different things, right? Right? It could mean in the midst of the years uh, up to the, the, the coming of the Messiah. So you could say very practically from, from, from uh, Abraham or Adam all the way to uh, the, the coming of Messiah Christ. During this time, Lord, would you revive your work? Would you do what you have always done? Some would say it could just be a reference until the end of days. If like we have an eschatological, I probably just butchered that word, um, uh, tone to it. The Lord, until you, till the end of days come, would you revive your work? Would you do what you are known for doing? When I will look to you and look for your work in your hand. But likely, uh, this phrase, the midst of the years, is a reference to the time that he's living in there to that time uh, between uh, what is happening in Israel and to the time that God fully brings about His judgment against the Babylonians. Because He sees, in chapter 2, He sees these woes. He understands that although they have not fully felt the judgment of God, that day is coming. And we know, because we have the whole Bible, we have the rest of the, uh, the Old Testament, we know how God will enact that judgment against the babylonians we know that today as we said last week they are a desolate wasteland and so his likely his timeline there is now the lord that now in these days would you revive your work now would you do what you have done historically in israel would you do what we know that you can and will do go with me to psalm 85 a similar prayer, similar psalm, if you will. Psalm 85, 4 through 7. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your ign- indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Now, I won't dwell on the fact that many could read this as Westerners, as as Americans, and say this is a prayer for America. This is a prayer for God's people. This is a prayer for God's people. Say, Lord, would you restore us again? Would you revive us again? God's people, would you, re- we, would you revisit us? Would you restore to us? Would you revisit your great works, all that you have done? And so we see this picture of God reviving His work that that Habakkuk is going to the Lord and he's asking him, God, would you do for us now what you've done all along for your people? Would you be present as I know that you are? Would you revive your work? Would you do it again? Would you do it now? Is that a prayer for us as well? I can imagine as believers, as we look at our life, as we see how God has worked, in your own personal life. Maybe in, in, your, in the church in North Hills. You've been here with us for a long time. And all that God has done for North Hills. Maybe just your own personal life. And say, Lord, would you do again? Would you do the work that you've done in me in the past? Would you do it again? Would you work in me the way that I know that you can? And maybe our prayer is that God would revive us. And do that work again. And do it now. In the midst of the years, would you revive your work? But not only did he ask, not only did the prophet ask that God revive his work, he also that he would reveal his work. So in the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of, of the years, make it known. Make it known, Habakkuk says. This desire for the will of God to be made known. And so why would he ask for the the will of God to be made known? Why would he ask for the work of God to be made known? To make it clear. To encourage the people of Israel. To lead them to repentance. To look at God and say, look, God is at work. His work is being made known and is revealed to you today. For the people of God to see the will of God. And to follow the way of God. Habakkuk wants God's people to. To know God's hand as he does. We see this journey in this short book of Habakkuk wrestling with the Lord, if you will. And him being reminded of who God is. And at the end is turned to praise. And you can only imagine his desire for the people of Israel, for the remnant of God, for the true Israel to walk with the Lord as he is walking with the Lord. To know God the way he knows God. So if he is struggling with with who God is and how he's at work in Israel and how he's at work in the world, he wants the people of God to have the same confidence that he has. And he asks, Lord, would you reveal your work? Go with me to Psalm chapter 90. Or Psalm 90, rather. Psalm 90, 13 through 17. Return, O Lord, how long. Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad in all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. For as many years as we have seen evil, let your work be shown, let it be revealed, let it be made known to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us, yes, establish the work of our hands upon us. So we see this echo even in Habakkuk's prayer that that God would reveal Himself in such a way that the people of God would rejoice in Him. That the people of God would look to Him. That like the the author of Lamentation says, that every day His mercies would be new. They would look to Him and trust Him. Do we not need that reminder in our own lives? That every day we look to the Lord anew. That we trust Him. That we rejoice in Him as He is revealing His work, as He is revealing His will to us. Because God does that. He doesn't have to, but God does. He has chosen to reveal His will to His people. He desires to reveal Himself to His people. He has done so most clearly in His Son, in Christ. And Christ is most clearly revealed in Scripture. So therefore, we can know the revealed will of God. It's not mysterious anymore, as we see in the New Testament. The revealed will of God is Christ. And we can look to Jesus as we open to the pages of Scripture, not just the New Testament, but all of Scripture. As we read Habakkuk, we see that our ultimate hope, the fulfillment of this, is Christ. And so, as we look at God's Word, we ultimately are looking at Christ. And this is how the work and will of God is revealed is through the word of God. So we see that he has noticed the work of God. He's praying that God would revive his work and he's praying that God would reveal his work. And thirdly, we see this last part of the prayer here, that he would remember his mercy. It says in the midst of years, revive it. In the midst of years, make it known. He says in wrath... Remember mercy and wrath. Remember your mercy because God is a just God. As we see and walk through chapter one and chapter two, as we see that he knows the judgment of God is coming, that God has been using the Babylonians to bring judgment to Israel, and that God is going to bring judgment to the Babylonians, God will always be a just God, and He will bring uh, wrath against sinners and sin. always. But He's asking that God would remember His people, and your wrath would you remember your people? And I love this theme. As we walked through Genesis years ago, we hit this theme, this theme briefly, but just a couple passages. You don't have to turn to Genesis chapter eight, verse one, and Genesis nineteen, verse twenty-nine, and several others in Genesis shows us that God remembers, that God doesn't forget. In Genesis eight, one, God remembered Noah. It says, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him and the ark. And God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water was subsided. I was reminded this week of the uh, funny but not funny fact of uh, we shouldn't paint uh, the story of Noah for our children's ministers, right? We shouldn't put those paintings in the nursery because the real story of Noah is a very tragic story, right? That all of the earth, all of the people of the earth, all every living and breathing thing with the exception of uh, of the, the eight people that God saved and the number of animals he saved were wiped out were destroyed god's wrath was brought against sin and sinners in the story of noah but god remembered noah and he remembered his family and he remembered every single animal that he promised to save that in his wrath god remembered his people and he saved his people and he kept his people Genesis 19, 29, God remembered Abraham. Thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley, that God remembered Abraham. And he sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, and he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. And we see that God brings his wrath again against sinners and against sin. And he brings death and destruction because of the punishment of sin is death. But he remembered Abraham. He remembered his family. As you go through all of Scripture, we see this theme of God remembering His people. He does not forget His people, and remembering is more than just a call to mind, right? I mean, remember me, and so I'm not going to forget you. I mean, okay, you're you're there, there. but to be remembered, right, is to be more than just thought of. Is to for someone to bring action. To be remembered is someone to give you a gift on your birthday, right? To be remembered is to, to, to receive a note or a card. To be remembered is to I get a phone call. Hey, thanks for remembering me. So it's the same as with the Lord. Remembering is not just to have in his mind because the Lord doesn't forget. We know that. If he is God, if he's sovereign, if he's, if he's this cosmic being who knows all, it's not going to forget. But it's more than just having the intellectual uh, awareness of someone but it is a call to action. And what is the greatest way in which God remembers His people? is through Christ. That He remembers His people through Christ. Is that God fully poured out His wrath against sinners and sin in the person of Christ for all of His people? He took on the sin of us, of His people. And God remembered us through that. And so that In His wrath, remember mercy so that He bestowed mercy upon all of those who would look to Him and trust Him in faith and belief and repentance. God will. God does. God has remembered His people. And God will remember you. And that invitation is to all, to all who would look to Him in faith and repentance and trust Christ, you will be remembered. And so like Habakkuk, let us praise the Lord for what he has done. And like Habakkuk, let us believe that he continues to be at work. When he says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And as we come to the Lord's table here in just a moment, let us remember the wrath that was poured out on Christ that we might live, the punishment that He took on for His people, for us, that God would remember us. Let us pray. Lord, I thank You for this morning. I thank You for a chance to to look to Your Word, to be reminded of Your Word of your goodness, of your works, and all that you've done, and ultimately all that you've done for us in Christ. Lord, as always, we pray if there is one here this morning who's never truly looked to you and trusted you, and who has that hope and that confidence and that faith that comes from knowing Christ, they would look to you in faith and repentance this morning. For the many in this room Lord who do know you who have trusted you Lord may we remember all the things that you have done may we continue to look to you as you continue to reveal to us your will in your word and may we rejoice as we are confident that you have remembered us Lord in these next few moments as we sing as we come to the communion table even as we leave this place May we do so as a marked people. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.